I, I want to just uh, begin by asking a question. How many of you, you came to faith in Watermark Church? Can you raise your hands? Wow. Wow, look at that. Kevin. <laughs> Those who uh, came to faith in Watermark Church. Do you see the hands? Kevin, you want to take a look? <laughs> Quite a lot. Um, wow. So wonderful, so wonderful. Um, you, know, you know, when we were worshipping... Uh, just, just a moment ago, uh, I was like singing those songs and praying and asking God for this session, the things that He will accomplish. And one of the things that weighs upon my heart is uh, if uh, there's someone here in this crowd, and I don't want to embarrass anyone here right, by calling them out, but if you are not a Christian, you're here because someone invited you, someone loved you, someone who feels that you matter so dearly to them, and, and you're here with us. Uh, my, my greatest prayer is through this time, through this retreat, through your encounter with um, Christians in Watermark Church, that God will impress His love upon you, that you come to know Him. And that, uh, by the way, is one of the features of a church that is filled by the Spirit. Because in Acts chapter 2, we see at the end of the, that, that chapter, the Lord added to their number. The Lord added to their number. Non-Christians were part of the group that were attracted to the beauty of Jesus. So that uh, is one feature. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, initially I wanted to uh, address that at the end of the message, because that's the last verse of Acts chapter 2, but I thought of just front-loading that at the beginning, so that uh, I'm clear that uh, this message is for non-believers as well, in case there's any one of you here. Uh, let me just, uh, why, why don't we open our Bible, instead of Acts chapter 2, can we go to another passage? Similar to yesterday, we started with a letter, a New Testament letter. Uh, we're going to go to 1 John. Sorry, yesterday I think we, we started with a gospel, John 14. And today we are starting with 1 John. First John chapter 4, just one verse, verse 13. Are we there? 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. So this whole retreat, uh, the topic is on the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit yesterday. Last night, uh, there was a sense of worship, abiding in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And if you have felt the Lord speaking to you, encouraging you, ministering to you, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit works in a way that are, that are mundane, ordinary. The Holy Spirit moves in supernatural, spectacular ways that we see in the book of Acts. And um, when you look at 1 John 4 verse 13, by this we know that we abide in Him because He has given to us, He has given us of His Spirit. Now the this... Uh, refers to the symptom, right? Uh, we, we, by this symptom, we know the desired outcome of abiding in Jesus, which is something that we all long for. We all pray. We all want to be drawn near to God. We long to be where He is. He dwells in us and we long to draw near to Him, to dwell with Him. And the reason why we can do that is because He has given us His Spirit. Now, you know, one John focus so much on love. So the symptom of being filled by the Spirit, 
the symptom of God abiding in us is love. Is love. Uh, I'll just read the, the top few verses uh, before um, verse 13. Uh, so I'm going to read from verse 7 to verse 12. Follow me as I read uh, 1 John 4, verse 7 to 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now this is one of the most alarming statements in the Bible. God is love. Now, now there are many ways that uh, if the Bible is simply trying to tell us that God is a loving God, you can use like a descriptive words, right? God is loving. God is the most generous when it comes to giving love and dispensing love. But this is how the scripture describes God. God is love. God is love. He is love itself. Love is defined by Him. And then verse 9, it gives us an even narrower description of love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this, His love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Now, isn't it amazing? Spirit of God is uh, the reason why we can abide in Him. And then in this we know that we abide in Him. And then the this refers to love. Loving of one another. And this love is narrowed down through uh, a vision of the cross. In this is love. God sent His Son so that we may live through Him and then through that, we are called to love each other. If you were to summarize the mark of a church filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the work of the Holy Spirit, evident of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it would be a church that abides in love. It would be a church that truly love. A church that put God on display is a church that put love on display. And I, I, I didn't make that up because God is love, right? God is love. So if you want to put God on display, you put love on display. Now here's the tricky part. Uh, the world that we live in uh, often define love very, very loosely, right? Love is a feeling... Love is uh, the sensation that you get when you listen to a love song. Love is uh, you know, the, the fuzzy emotions that, that you experience when you watch a really warm and nice romantic uh, movie. Uh, that, that, that is how we often uh, relate uh, to, to, with love. Um, but the love in scriptures is defined for us pretty clearly here in this text. In this is love. Not that we love God, but He loves us. And in this text, we also see that um, no one has seen God in verse 12, but if we love one another, His love abides in us. His love is put on display through us, in us, to the whole world. So let's come back to Acts chapter 2. I thought that would be quite a good uh, introduction to this portion. Because if we dive in, 
into a passage that is descriptive. As I mentioned uh, uh, yesterday, uh, Acts is descriptive. It describes for us what happened. But it doesn't explain to us exactly the rationale and, and what exactly was, was going on there behind the scenes. It just tells us this was what was going on on the outside. And um, 1 John 4 helped to frame Acts chapter 2. This is how a loving church looked like. This is how what happened when people are filled by the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, and the rest of those things. But love is put on display here. I'm going to read for us uh, Acts chapter 2 from verse 37 onward. Um, the focus is on verse 30, 42 onward, but I'm going to read the first few verses so that we can set the context of this passage. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. The gospel, they, were, they heard the gospel, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. There's a promise, and what is the promise? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, you receive all three members of the Godhead. Father, Son, Spirit. So the promise here is not in a successful life, a life that is smooth sailing, a life that is good and comfortable in, in, in the way the word defines it, but they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And verse 39, For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. So the Lord calls to Himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized and they were added to that day. on that day 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. It's not a small numbers, right? Um, have you ever uh, run an organization of 3,000 people? I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any, like, uh, some guys here who, who manage... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, there, there are churches that are probably in uh, numbers of uh, a few thousands. Uh, we, back home in Singapore, we have a church that is about 1,000-ish, um, maybe 1,002-ish uh, regular attendance. 1,002, um, 1,003. Uh, it's a nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> 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 it's a nightmare. Uh, I was talking to um, Simon earlier, right? Uh, he moved to Singapore uh, while back, then he moved back to Hong Kong. Uh, he was telling us that it's, it's too big in, in some ways. It's, and as a pastor, I struggle. I struggle to remember the names of people. I really do. So when the, the invitation came from Kevin to come to Watermark Church, and I knew that you know, this is a church of like you know, 100 plus, close to 200, right? Um, ish. Uh, that is like the size that in, in my mind, uh, that's the ideal size for a church where people can be known, you can come for a retreat, it's cozy. Intimate, it is really possible to know everyone, really. Um, it, it still takes much effort, but it is possible to know everyone. But we're talking about here in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. And friends, this is how it looks like in the way they do life. Because often we look at this 3,000, the, the, the church in the book of Acts, we assume that it's like a small community church. No, 3,000 souls, yes, they be in their homes, they gather for a big gathering, and this is a description of everything. But let's bear in mind that 3,000 souls, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, verse 43, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking breads in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So, this is only accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my main point. Um, and can you see here on display is a church that is full of love. Breaking bread, coming together, having things in common, helping each other. No one is poor here in this community because they were sharing their belongings, supporting each other, and through that, the love of God is being put on display and the Lord added to their number day by day those who have been saved. I don't know whether you've been to churches that um, often focus on growth strategy. Here's the way to multiply cell group. Here's the way to, to get to this number by the end of this year. This strategy, this method. Uh, the strategy layout for us in the book of Acts is pretty straightforward. <laughs> receive the gospel. Receive the most precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Treasure Jesus. Make much of Him. Preach His word faithfully. And through that, the apostles, they were demonstrating signs and wonders, healings, restorations, life transforms. And as love is put on display, the church grew. The church grew. Um, let me just uh, highlight for us, in the city context, there are two implications for us. You, you read this text and it's like, wow, this is like 2,000 years ago. It's quite far off. Uh, what has this got to do with like in 20... 23, you know, in cities like Hong Kong and Singapore, what is it got to do with us? How does that look like for us? Uh, one very, very, um, what, what, what I think is, uh, it, it can be quite shocking in some ways uh, and quite surprising for us is uh, about the features of the New Testament church is we actually don't get to choose who we hang out with in some ways. <laughs> Notice the language here is God has chosen His People, I'll read for you verse 39 again. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. Now notice that the initiative here is God has called and chosen a people. Now, um, Kevin, I don't know how much you guys have covered the uh, doctrine like election, predestination, being, being chosen, the... Uh, yeah, uh, but, but here, here's <laughs> we see quite clearly here, uh, in, uh, I mean, it, it, when we come to the topic of the will of God, who choose? God choose or we choose? Uh, we, we need to appreciate the divine mystery that, that God is God, right? We do see in the scripture, God has chosen the people, and these people, they have chosen Him as they were being chosen by God. And we, we see that divine mystery of us choosing Him, moving to Him, longing for God to draw us to Him and Him drawing us by grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and we often apply that truth of election, being chosen by God in a very individualistic way. Like, this is for me. This promise is about me being chosen. But have you considered that this implication, if this is true, it implies that the body of Christ, we are all chosen by God. Now, um, here's a thought experiment. You look around you. If not for Jesus, would these be the folks that you choose to hang out with? 
<laughs> and this is this is not meant to be insulting to anyone, really, really. What, what I'm trying to highlight is that that we are so different. Uh, where is EJ? Is EJ here? Uh, your EJ is, is she somewhere here? EJ, uh, yeah, over there. Um, I cannot even pronounce her name, EJ. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> she has to shorten that to EJ for me. Um, and then when I realized what's her last name, that was a greater nightmare, right? You have <laughs> So, in, in, in my mind, uh, if this has happened naturally, without the context of the faith, we just happen to bump into each other, and just by reading her name, I couldn't pronounce it, I'll move on to another person, right? This is not the person that. I want to hang out with, not for anything that is like bad about her, but just the difficulty of trying to relate to someone of a different culture whose name I can't even pronounce, right? But look at what we have here. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? I have more than once people coming to, uh, and we have a very similar church to you guys here at Watermark Church. In, in RAC, we have a church that's quite diverse in nationalities, uh, and, and there were uh, more than a few times that people would come up to me and say, one of the most attractive things about your church is I cannot quite figure out how did you guys all end up together. <laughs> <laughs> now guys, we are meant to be perplexing to the world with this unity that we have. Now in Acts chapter 2, nothing is mentioned about whether they belong to a specific social class or specific um, types of uh, people, uh, vocations, and so on. They're not from, we, we do not know what kind of industry they're in. This is not a bunch of people in the same industry hanging out. This is people coming together. Let me just make sure that uh, we, we see that clearly. To the breaking of bread. They were gathering to the apostles' teaching to the breaking of bread. Let's stand there for a moment. When you break bread, what do you remember? You look around you, there are people that you would not choose <laughs> Because uh, if, if life just happens, you will not hang out with them. You hang out with people who are more similar to you. You hang out with your people group, yeah, people that you, you feel most similar to. But here we are, as we celebrate the bread being broken. What are we saying? Jesus' body was broken so that I can have this body. Now, why don't we make it a commitment from this point onward? Every time a leader stand in front to lead the communion, to celebrate the breaking of bread. Let's take a look around ourselves. Let's not just uh, bow our head and, and receive the communion element and just consume it on our own, but let's take a moment to take a look around us and remember Christ's body was broken. His blood was shed so that I can have this body of Christ that I'm a part of. So God has brought us together as a people, we did not choose Him. We did not even choose one another. But here we are. He loved us. We love Him. And we are called to love each other. Now, often when we talk about the miracles of the Holy Spirit, right, we, we, we think about the miraculous healings, the tongues, the prophetic words. But here is another miracle. Watermark Church. Diverse people. But love is what unites us. The love defined for us in one John. I, um, I'm supposed to say this to you on the first day, but I forgot about this. Uh, Ryan and Catherine say hi to all of you. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I met them um, a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, they are now part of a Mandarin plant. So RAC planted out two churches and English plant that Simon, you, you visited. Uh, 
led by a guy called Andrew Purchase. Um, and then we have another plant, a Mandarin plant in our city. It's fairly small right now. It's uh, quite new. Um, and and uh, right in the country, they are part of that, that plant. And when I went to visit the Mandarin plant a few weeks ago, they were there. They were really excited that I'm coming to Watermark Church. Uh, they were like talking about how in their time here, that was really formative. I think Ryan came to faith here, right? Uh, I, I believe. Um, so this is like a very special place to them. And because of that, REC never meets their standard. <laughs> it took them a really long time to find it. Um, but now they, they, as the smaller uh, Mandarin plant was planted out, they are now getting into community and doing life with other Christians. So um, it's just a high from them and a, and a you know, uh, short waiting that they are doing well. Uh, they also wanted to send me some good places for sour here uh, in, in Hong Kong, um, roasted uh, goose. Um, and so it's really friendly and I really appreciate them. Um, another uh, reflection that I have is, do you realize that this environment is more precious than blood family in some ways? Yvonne and I, we are both from non-Christian families. I have more things in common with you. Some of you I just met. We just had small talks. And very quickly, I felt that connection. This is how you came to faith. Uh, and, and just the sense of like fellowship and love. And it's actually very challenging. Often when I'm back home, back in my family of origin, my sister, who is not, not a Christian, my parents are not Christians, there are just so many things happening in my life that I am not able to share with them. And most of the things that I share with me, I cannot quite connect as well. And I begin to realize that it is so true that when we become Christians, the relationships that becomes most significant to us is one that is bought by blood, the blood of the Lamb. And it's, and it's thicker than blood in, in some ways. When we, um, a, a few years ago, uh, we said to the church at RAC, uh, we, 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 we said that if we ever get knocked down by a car, uh, uh, by the way, uh, these this, this thoughts came when one night we were out late at night having supper so we drove out and there was like a, a huge storm um, so the traffic was like quite heavy uh, and, and I was just saying that what if we have a terrible accident and we don't get home what will happen to our kids and so uh, we're thinking about what was the, what's the best way and when we started the rest of the car ride talking about which family we want in REC to adopt our children. <laughs> and we're like making a list. Oh, this couple, they are wonderful. They are waiting for God to um, provide them with a child. Uh, our kids will fit in so nicely with their family. And so and we're working through our list. Uh, and, and, and then one Sunday, we, I, when I actually got up to, to preach, I actually said, that I just want to make sure that this is registered in the recording, that uh, if, if, if the Lord has, uh, ever take us home, before our kids, uh, I want one of you guys to volunteer to, to uh, adopt uh, my, the children that we leave behind. Uh, uh, guys, it's, it's funny, right? But in some ways, uh, we actually never, it never crossed our mind to have our own family of origin to adopt our children. Right? Even though that might, may seem the most natural for a Chinese person. Right? What does that mean? I think God has given us something very precious here. A family bought by the blood of the Lamb. So that's the first part. Uh, this, is, this is family. This is family. Now, second thing, I just have the first part. Is we did not choose this family. And then second part, uh, being known. Being known. Um, notice how in this faith community that they share everything together. I confess that I love my privacy very dearly. 
I love my own me time and downtime, which, by the way, is not wrong. But the gospel calls us to some kind of uh, loss of privacy, right? We see clearly in Acts chapter 2, they were sharing life with each other. Uh, there were people who were dif- different from each other, but they were you know, sharing their possessions, coming together. Uh, and we see through the book of Acts that there were many, many examples of the believers laying down their life for each other, sending helps whenever help is needed. This is real bonds between a group of people brought together by the gospel. And being known is part of it. So my question is, how known are you in this church family by others? Being known is a huge part of what it means to be a member in the household of God. Being known, being real. Now, one of the signs of a healthy church is people can come to the church not having to wear masks. They can be real. They can come and be weak. They can come and be honest that I'm a mess. And that's why I'm coming. Do you know that in a lot of churches, the culture is not like that? People have the assumption that church is for good, well-behaving people. So if you behave yourself... If you keep all these moral conducts, that qualify you to come to church and hang out with, with the good religious people. No. Jesus is not like that. He's quite opposite. And, and the mark of a spirit-filled church community is one that you can be weak. We recently um, built a counseling ministry uh, in our church. And I'm the pastor that oversees the counseling ministry. Uh, by the way, a plug for CCF, which uh, some of you guys are taking online classes uh, through the CCF. Uh, it's a really wonderful resource. And uh, we have like a few counselors on staff right now in the team. Uh, we built a counseling room um, near, near the office. Uh, and uh, about two years ago, when I started the project of building a counseling ministry, I started to contact different churches uh, in Singapore that uh, have counseling ministries uh, and just interviewing them, learning from them, asking them tons of questions. And, and one of the uh, common responses from uh, the churches out there is, they, they would tell me, if you build a counseling ministry and you have counseling rooms, build it in a separate building from your church or from your church office. And I was like, Pastor, why, why do I need to find a separate location to build a counseling room, a counseling ministry? Why can't I have it in my, in my own space? And I'll say, oh, you know what? Um, because people feel a sense of shame walking into counseling room and being seen by others that they need counseling. I mean, I, I managed to compose myself and, and look like I'm neutral, but I'm dying inside as I was listening to that. <laughs> I was dying inside. Every time when I hear that, I was really dying inside because what struck me is that are we saying that the Christian church has no space for those who are going through real difficulties real struggles, real mental health challenges, and they are coming in for help and they feel that they, they should feel ashamed for needing help. Is that the kind of church culture that we are sending out? Now, if that's the case, I can see why non-Christians don't want to be a part of this. Really? I'll run away. <laughs> and the kind of church that attracts non-Christians coming in is the kind of church where you and I receive the love of God and know that we can be weak. And when we come into this environment, others around us are weak as well. And we are all beggars pointing to the bread of life. That is the kind of church community I want to be a part of. A church community that is known, people are known by each other, that we can be weak, that we keep pointing each other 
to our Savior. And, and one way to do that is uh, if you are leading here, it's one of the elders, uh, le- leaders in, in various ways, if you are leading a small group, um, let's model that by sharing our weaknesses, sharing the areas in our life where we need God's grace. And as we encourage each other towards doing that through our examples, we begin to have a church com- community that is known. People now are not afraid to be known. So that is the two mark. Remembering that we are chosen by God, not by each other. Uh, and then the second thing is uh, being truly known. Um, how does that happen for us? Again, to go back to the good news. Now, if you think about family bonds, family, it is a place that you are known, right? Where you see each other messes. Uh, if I want to uh, find out that's about Kevin's life, all I need to do is just to sit down and interview his brother <laughs> about things in his growing up years uh, because uh, your family members are the group of people that you cannot hide. You cannot hide your dirt. You can come out from your home looking polished, looking like you are well put together, but all your weaknesses, most of the things that you struggle with, uh, those things it will be really, really hard to hide from your family members. Now, we see in the scriptures, starting from Genesis chapter 4 that the family, though we assume that it will be a place of love and bond and unity and acceptance when the fall happened, we see Abel and Cain, murder and there was a line that's interesting uh, that there was blood the blood of Abel cry out to me, cry out to God from the ground and the metaphor came out a lot in the Bible that there is innocent blood spilled on the ground, crying out for condemnation for the people who spill it. It cries out for vengeance. And so Cain, he was driven out. He was put in exile. Now through Christ Jesus, what happened was there was also blood. His blood. And he was driven out. So he's Abel and Cain at the same time. Notice that he was cast out. On the cross, Jesus cried out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus, in some ways, is a reflection of uh, Cain and, and Abel at the same time. The innocence of Abel, a man who did not deserve that punishment. And at the same time, he took on the punishment of Cain, of you and I, those who have committed atrocious sins in our life. So he shed his blood and he was cast out. So friends, this is how we receive the Holy Spirit. Now earlier, uh, I really appreciate the, the time of singing and worship, um, the, the song, Come Praise and Glorify. Uh, and then there was a moment that we read out Second Corinthians, uh, and uh, it's another reminder that God has given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. As a guarantee. The Spirit is given to us because of what Christ has done. The Father sent the Spirit to us. The Spirit now dwells in all of us. Even though we don't deserve it, He chose us. We did not choose this. And the Spirit is like a guarantee that no matter what happened in this life, we will persevere all the way to the end. And one of the mark of a church filled by the Spirit is a loving community that we see in Acts chapter 2. The proclamation of the Gospel. They love God. They love each other. They truly love each other. Watermark Church, I really just want to encourage you. Um, I'm seeing some really positive signs of this church. Loving each other, uh, treasuring Jesus, going back to the good news 
all the time. Uh, you have some good things happening here. Um, it's just my hunch. Uh, a church that, you know, just now when I asked who came to faith here, there were a few hands, uh, quite a number of hands, by the way. Uh, and then I, I think there could be non-Christians among us. I think there's also just a glance, there are a, quite a number of our young people uh, in, in our midst. Uh, when I look at church trends in places like Europe, uh, churches that are losing young people, churches where um, nobody is coming to faith, you are just on maintenance mode all the time, um, uh, you know, environment where there's a loss of purpose and sense of missions. But there's something unique and precious here in Watermark Church. Young people coming to this church, people coming to faith. Um, it's just a hunch that this church will continue growing. <laughs> and, and you guys probably have to find out ways of how you can prioritize health while you grow in numbers. So the goal is not numbers, by the way. The goal is not numbers. The goal is always health. How can we be a healthy church as God bring about the growth? The growth is out of our control. As we faithfully love each other, growth will happen. But when growth happens, how can we remain healthy? That would be your challenge. I sense that in the next few years, uh, if I ever come back here again, uh, it could be quite a different church because I trust that God will surely add to your people. And when that day happen, that day will happen, prioritize health. That will be my encouragement to you. And keep loving each other. Uh, with that, uh, I'm going to... Um, can I pray for us first? Before I pass the time back to whoever that is leading this portion later on. Lord, I, I really want to pray for this church. Watermark community church what a precious precious church that you have given to us and I use the word us because I feel like I'm a part of this church too in some ways connected to this church because of Jesus and I pray I pray that we as the body of Christ we will grow in love we will grow in unity I pray for all my brothers and sisters here that there will be a real sense of your presence. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Challenging us. Encouraging us. Pointing us towards Jesus again and again. A community of real friendship and fellowship and love and concerns. Where when one member of the body is suffering, the rest of the, the, the body weeps with them. When one person is heading away from the faith, making bad decisions in life, and the rest of the body love enough to call them back to repentance. A love that is genuine, gentle, a love that is gracious and patient. And God, only you can produce such a love. No technique, no strategy, can help us to do that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, today we cry out to you. Grow us to be a church filled with love. Love for each other, love for you. And help us to be a blessing to the city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.